Hi, this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights podcast. As a park, Epcot has in many ways evolved over the years, especially in what we've always known as Future World. But which version of Epcot is the best version? We look very carefully at Epcot's timeline over the decades to determine if there was a time and place when Epcot was at its very best. And we considered the possibility that the Epcot of today is perhaps better than any other version of Epcot over the years. Not only do we look at attractions, but consider everything from entertainment to retail, from dining to fireworks. And we make a strong case that the Epcot that we all loved so much somewhere in the past may not be as good as the Epcot you find today at Walt Disney World. Join us as we ask, is today's Epcot the best Epcot ever? Well, also make sure that you check out DisneyInsights.com because it's going to have a whole set of charts that compares uh, all of these attraction and entertainment and dining options over the years and it's going to help give you a whole sense of of what we're talking about plus um, photos and videos and more so make sure you check out disneyinsights.com as with your own uh well whatever podcast uh station you're listening to make sure you subscribe to that podcast station and subscribe to disneyinsights.com so you can make sure you are aware when new podcasts come out also if you would just well here's what i would suggest if you get a chance go to your podcast station and if you could give a positive review or rating if you like what you're listening to we're covering so many different things we were at disneyland just a uh, a couple of weeks ago or just last week and and we've been covering the heritage of the Walt Disney um, Company um, as part of the hundred year anniversary we have another episode of that upcoming we've talked about uh, uh, epic universe coming and uh, we've done food and dining reviews we've talked about so many different things uh, our recent Disney cruise. So make sure you join us uh, if you get a chance. Also, I recently did uh, an interview with uh, DCL podcast and uh, on the lessons on being world class from uh, the Disney Cruise Line. So when you get a chance, check out Stephen Christie's uh, podcast, DCL podcast, and uh, you'll see some, uh, so, some wonderful conversations we've had about the Disney Cruise Line. Well, without further ado, let's talk about Epcot. Now, when was the best Epcot ever? Well, probably it's somewhere in the past for you if you think about it. Um, Epcot opened up, but there were many attractions that were not available at the time of its opening. Seas came later, Horizons came later, Journey to Imagination came later. Um, things like Wonders of Life and Maelstrom came much later. Well, Norway and Morocco came much later. So it always evolved. It came to a place where, is it possible that Epcot was the best in and around about 1989? At that time, all the following were available. Journey into Imagination, uh, Original Universe of Energy, uh, The Wonders of Life with Body Wars, that had opened up. Horizons was still very much there, World of Motion, 
And and then also Maelstrom with the uh, Norway Gateway to Scandinavia Pavilion. But if you go to 1989, you'll remember that one of the most beloved attractions at Epcot and one of the attractions people love most was not there in 89. In fact, it didn't show up until much later, and that would be Test Track. And even by the 1990s, Journey to Imagination was looking a little on the dated, especially in the back half of the attraction, while other attractions like the Universe of Energy um, and Communicord, those were boring, uh, boring places to go to. Um, Spaceship Earth, the latter half of it was not very interesting. So, so it really, it's hard to say that that period of time, um, the late 1989, the early 90s, was the best time because it was missing Testra. So what I felt to do was to, I felt like there were a couple of key attractions I wanted to circle around. And one of them was Testrack, but the other was Horizon. But the fact of the matter is, is there was a very small window in which Horizons and Testrack were open at the same time. Testrack was very delayed in opening. It was supposed to open a couple of years earlier, but because of, well, it was a very sophisticated piece of rideshow engineering. If you think about it, it's like slot cars. There are 22 of them at any time on the track. I think 22. And all of them have to know what every other car is doing and where it's at so it can break. Because if you remember correctly, you have no brake that you can apply when you are riding test track. It's got to know when to brake. And so, and unfortunately, it didn't know when to brake in some very early, well, one particular experience. And that really pushed back the, the opening. What that also did was it actually lengthened out the timeline for Horizon because they because there was no attraction there in the absence of the World of Motion. And by the way, World of Motion, I liked as an attraction, but very few people, even individuals my age, can look back on World of Motion and say, oh yeah, I remember World of Motion and it would, went here and went there. Most people remember the traffic scene, but few people remember a lot of what was in um, world of motion. It was just kind of a, it was a mix of things. It was, it was a lot of animatronics and it was, it was colorful and even humorous at times, but humor visually played itself out after you went on it a couple of times. And so it, the line had become very, um, I mean, it became a walk-in attraction, which walk on attraction, which wasn't surprising because it was an Omnimover, which took in a lot of people. Horizons was a form of Omnimover, which, um, um, but more like Peter Pan's flight where it was suspended, but, but in terms of constantly boarding guests as it went through, it was in that sense, it, it didn't, um, it didn't twist, but it was a continual moving attraction. Uh, and it took in a lot of people, but towards the end of the last years, you pretty well walk on now. And and Journey to Imagination was the same thing. It too was, I mean, yeah, ten to two in the ten in the morning to two in the afternoon, there'd be a line, but you could easily go in the evening and not and not uh, and not have to wait in line. So um, so, but Test Track 
Test Track when it finally opened. I've yet to see a moment where you can walk on it very often. Maybe as a single rider, you can find a good opportunity, a good window, but most of the time it's running and there's a lot of people wanting to ride it. So I had to choose a date that I felt included Test Track, but I didn't want to lose Horizons. Well, that moment was December of 1998. Test Track was still kind of in a soft opening. In fact, I believe that in the evening or early in the morning, it either opened late or it closed early or both because it took um, it took the team, the operations team, to turn over those vehicles and to and to fix what was going on and to make repairs and so forth. It it was it took a lot of of effort. So and and they still held on to Horizon to keep it open until Test Track was going. It would close in January of ninety nine, and then in ninety nine you would have a very big transformation that would prepare Epcot for the millennium. Um, but it would go into the Millennium Celebration without Horizons. And if there's one attraction people do, nostalgists often talk about its Horizons and how wonderful it is. So I kind of chose December 1998. That was, now by the way, the problem was, is Journey into Imagination had already closed in October of 98. So I don't even have the benefit of including it, but frankly, there was never a time period. If those are your three favorite attractions, there was never a time period where those three overlapped and you could go on all three. Imagination was closed by the time Test Track opened and it, Anyway, you got to get a sense of what's going on. So we're going to go through, we're going to start with attractions and we're going to compare December of 98 with 2024 uh, today. Both of them, of course, had Spaceship Earth. 98, you had Jeremy Irons um, and now you have Judy Dench. The first half was largely similar. We, we have the, uh, the Computer Girl and the Go-Go Boots. Uh, today, in the early days, you remember in 1998, you had the teenage boy talking via computer or internet or something with the Japanese girl in Tokyo, and you had that comparison. The big differences were really the drop back um, or the fallback at the end of that attraction. At that point, it was, uh, if you remember, there were models of the city of the future and, and a lot of fiber optics and and things of that nature that kind of played into those models. Of course, today we've got this interactive choose your future kind of cartoon kind of experience and then you're projected in it. Um, and then the, the the final, after you got off the attraction, there was Spaceship Earth Global Neighborhood, which honestly was a little better than I think Project Tomorrow, which is what you have today. But basically, let's just assume for a moment that Spaceship Earth had its pluses or minuses, depending if you were in either of those two eras. The big difference is, is that what was Future World, the center's spine, which included Interventions, is now World Celebration. And Interventions included in 98, now, Interventions kind of premiered back in, I believe, 94. And that was really probably, a, I think, the best time for for it. But it was still pretty good in um, 98. You had, um, uh, well, there was stuff, uh, post-shows for General Motors and General Electric at the time. Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, was doing presentations 
uh, the, the, he had a little piece of that. There was the Communications Dream Forum, Family PC, the Disney.com Interactive Zone, the Disney's Internet Zone, Electronic, IBM Solutions for a Small Planet, and the Interventions pre-show. It, it, it was it was better than than the later years of interventions, but that's not saying a whole lot. It was also better than Communicore years um, previous to interventions, but that's still not saying a whole lot. I frankly think one of the big things that makes 2024 better is World Celebration Gardens with its accompanying um, uh, Connections Cafe and the Creation Shop. I think that whole and what will become later Communicore, uh, the festival center that's yet to open this year. I think the gardens, particularly with the Dreamers Point Walt Disney statue, plus the Inspiration, Communicore, Connections, and Creation Gardens, all of those, I think they're very lovely. Now, what we're missing in all of this is Fountain of Nations. That's a bummer because I think the fountains, the fountains had been really plussed up around 94, 95, and they were pretty impressive and they'd do these shows and so forth, uh, you know, every few minutes. They were impressive. Uh, but what, right now, what we have that's also impressive that we didn't have back in 98 is the Spaceship Earth Points of Light. The, the, the fact that Spaceship Earth comes and becomes this, this, uh, this whole showpiece at night uh, that was put in during the um, Walt Disney World 100th anniversary, I think that is, that is powerful. I think Fountains of Nations is amazing, but I also think Spaceship Earth points of light, point of light um, is also truly amazing. Let's look at Future World West. So what do we got going here? If you go back to that time period, um, well, we have Journey Imagination, which technically now is part of World Celebration, but we're going to talk about it. It was closed. It had Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Um, Captain EO had already closed, but it was now playing Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which I thought was pretty good. A lot better than the Disney Pixar Film Festival. The Living Seas was the original attraction back then. Uh, I think that Seas with Nemo and Friends could use a lot of, of plussing up, but it's still a whole lot better than that movie that you had to sit through before you got on that very, very short ride at the end after having passed through the hydrolator. It is a whole lot better. And one of the things that I think is a hidden gem that a lot of people don't know to take advantage of is Turtle Talk with Crush that, again, wasn't available back then. In 1998, The Land, well, of course, Living with the Land was, was an original attraction when Epcot opened and it was still playing with the music. Let's listen to, or, well, actually, no, it already moved on to Living with the land. Well, that's unfortunate because I, I enjoyed listening to the land. It had moved to living with the land as it is today. The difference is there was a film, Circle of Life, an environmental fable. That's the one with Timon and Pumbaa um, and Simba. Um, it was, there was good moments in that. Uh, I think some funny moments in that. I think the animation was horrible, but it was, it still had its moments. Interesting and fun back then was Food Rocks. That was so trippy. If you tried to explain to somebody today what Food Rocks was, 
you, you just you would have this stare in your face. It just was so different. It and, and, and not in a better way than Kitchen Cabaret. That was so weird and different too. They're just two weird and different things. All those are gone. But there's something that's there in the land pavilion that you didn't have back in 98. Yes, Awesome Planet, which is a solid movie and inspirational and very tied to the educational mission of Epcot, I think, while being somewhat entertaining. But the thing that you're really missing back in 98, and I think this is huge, is Soren. Guests love Soren. It with Test Track are anchor attractions that must that are must-haves for people to uh, to visit when they are at Epcot. Fortunately, it's even the original Soarin' right now, though Soarin' Over the World is still... I mean, these are attractions that are very, very popular. So we can't dismiss the fact that Soarin' today was something you didn't have until about 2004. And so the Epcot of yesterday was missing Soarin'. In future world... Oh, I should mention one more thing that is huge about what is world nature now instead of future world west is also that uh, journey of water inspired by Moana. If you haven't had a chance to see this, this is a very cool attraction and so, so perfect with the theme of world nature. And again, with the idea of being entertainment, entertaining, but informative as you think about the journey of water. And uh, even though it uses the Moana theme, it's fun, it's interactive, it's 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 refreshing, it's uh it's it's just inspiring. And uh, and I think that too is uh, an important attraction that I think makes a big difference as to why the Epcot of today is frankly better. I would rather have Journey of Water inspired by Moana than anything else that was in the intervention building at, that w occupied that space at that time. Now, it gets even more interesting as we go to Future World East, uh, which is now World Discovery, because Future World East had some very important attractions. And if you went back to 98, you'd say these are these are attractions that really made Epcot, Epcot. The first of these I've already mentioned is Horizons. That is uh, an outstanding attraction that frankly is irreplaceable. I'm not saying Mission Space doesn't matter. Um, Mission Space is a great attraction and is a unique ride experience, unlike anything else you get in any Disney park worldwide. Mission Space, I think, is totally underrated, partly because a lot of people get sick going on it. But it is still a powerfully impressive attraction. That said and done, there is nothing in Wonders of Life right now or in that building Whereas in 98, you also had Wonders of Life, Body Wars, The Making of Me, and a favorite in my mind, Cranium Command, which was really one of the cutest, funniest shows uh, in Epcot during that period. So Horizons, Cranium Command, Wonders of Life, Body Wars, these were powerfully terrific attractions. Just the fact that you could go into the Wonders of Life building and there's all the interactions and things that you had there. 
if there's a difference as to why 2024 is better today, well, and by the way, I, I highlight on, on these tables everything that's different in, in block, but I also highlight in red the things that I think are the standouts, the things that make a difference. Ellen's Energy Adventure was certainly far better than the original universe of energy, which was a snorefest of epic proportion. There, even in the last days, and I saw Ellen's Energy Adventure a lot because my son loved to see the dinosaurs and the whole thing. I have to say the humor with Bill Nye and Ellen DeGeneres was really, there was a lot of really smart, fun humor that still makes me laugh when I think back to it today. It really was very good. But let's be serious here. Do you really want to go back to Ellen's Energy Adventure when you have Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, that is such an amazing attraction. And it's really hard to justify um, uh, Epcot of 98 when... Um, when you have, when you didn't have at that point, Cosmic Rewind. It just, it just really has made that corner of the park major. Now, if they added something in the Wonders of Life building, that would just top it over for sure. But I, I, I miss Horizons. Would I take Horizons over Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind any day? But the lines show something very different and will for a long time. And and uh, and that with Mission Space, I don't know, it, if there's a tie, it would be here in World Discovery because I really do miss very much Wonders of Life, Ep Body Wars, Cranium Command, and Horizons. But I'd hate to not see Mission Space and Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Both have Test Track, of course. We have a different test track today and a new version that pays something of an homage to the original World of Motion. I'm very excited to see what that might look like um, because I think the original test track as a ride um, in some ways was better than the ride today, but I also think the original queue was noisy. It was visually interesting, but it was a noisy, bangy kind of place. I think this is more informative and then, but anyway, we're going to a whole new, a whole new um, version of Test Track, which again makes, and they said in 2024, I don't know how they're gonna make that happen. They're gonna to have to close something soon to do that, but that too may make the Epcot of today even better than, than just simply Test Track of old. Now we go to World Showcase. World Showcase, we're missing some attractions today that that uh, that existed back in 98. The original O Canada, the Maelstrom attraction ride, um, El Rio del Tiempo, and the double-decker buses and and even, we, we have boats, but they only go between the two uh, docks. They, there's nothing on the east docks that goes back and forth, which I think is a miss. But bigger miss is the double-decker buses, which have been sacrificed for annual festivals. And I really do miss the bus. It was kind of fun. You might have to wait a few minutes to get in line or to get in line, get on the next bus. But 
It was fun to just sit on the bus and go around the world. That I truly miss. Today's Epcot has a new version of O Canada, Canada Far and Wide. It's added Beauty and the Beast sing-along. That's probably the most um, unimpressive thing that's, that's come along, but you could still see uh, the original Epcot film in the evening. So that make uh, the original France film in the evening. So that makes up for it. Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros. I do like more than El Rio del Tiempo. Though there are aspects of Rio del Tiempo that I thought were interesting. But the big difference, the real big difference is first, I think Frozen Ever After is so much better. Could it be better? Yeah. Could we change the animatronics in there? Yeah. But Frozen After, Ever After, if you think Maelstrom was better, I did like the film, by the way, in Maelstrom, or the in the Norway Pavilion. But the whole way they've re-engineered that attraction, given you more uh, time in the boat and utilized the space better and, and brought in the, the film Frozen, it's a great attraction. Even more so is Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, which that whole area of the park didn't exist exists back in 98, obviously, because it just came in in time for the 100th anniversary of Walt, or the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Hopefully I didn't say 100th anniversary of Walt Disney World earlier. We all know, yeah, 50th anniversary. So yeah, those are, those are impressive attractions and it's really hard to imagine um, an Epcot today without those in place. I think we'd be a little disappointed. If you go to entertainment, well, this is where it gets really interesting because I think there was some really good entertainment. Is it uh, changing the world? No, but we should note that there was a lot more street entertainment back in 98. Future Core, you know that big brass sound that would go through Future World, that's gone. Anacomical players and World Showplace showcase players, both of those are gone. World showcase players usually performed either in United uh, United Kingdom or in um, it, I think they called themselves Teatro del Bologna in uh, Italy. They were so good, so funny. I don't know why they're not back there. They are truly missed. Uh, the Spirit of America, Fife and Drum, that no longer plays. Uh, even Dreamfinder, we have Figment today. That's good. Um, and we're getting a Communicore Festival Center with a big new Communicore stage. That's really good. I think the big difference is, do you prefer Illuminations of 98 or do you prefer Luminous? Now, if you're thinking Illuminations uh, reflections of Earth, where the ball comes out and spins around and has a projection. That's a different show that doesn't come until 2000 in time for the Millennium Celebration. This is the earlier version of Illuminations, and it had gone through a couple of different uh, changes, for lack of a better term. It um, uh, it ended with Ode, of, Ode to Joy, um, Beethoven's work. Um, but it also had pieces um, like Hoedown from Rodeo uh, Ballet and um, Barbara Seville Overture and I thought it um, Night on Bald Mountain was a part of it and I thought uh, there was another piece I don't see um, in there but 
and it had uh, a little bit of fanfare at the beginning and I, it, and a post show sound the worldwide celebration I, to me um, it's not as good as luminous today the per, the the use of fireworks and fountains especially and it is it is the best fireworks show take out projections just go with laser fountains and fireworks it is perhaps the best fireworks show ever and i think that is a big difference now you might not care for the musical selections but i do think as a fireworks show that's a big difference and so i have to i have to acknowledge that and honor that even though we are missing a lot of wonderful little entertainment pieces we used to have um we used to have seemingly well i'll come back to it a little later retail wise well before creation shop was centurium um, and then there are some pieces in Germany that haven't opened up from, um, from COVID. Der Teddy Bar is no longer there. Glass and Porcelain actually became, um, Cardinal Kuch, uh, but it used to be, um, uh, it, it used to be its own beast. Now here we have the creation shop. I think I love the Centorium. If you remember, it was two stories. This is before the change out that um, that was Mickey Mouse themed, um, which I never liked the look and feel of that. But Centorium was a very smart look. But Creation Shop is a very smart look, um, brightly lit. I think it complements that area of world celebration. Mission Cargo, Space Cargo Bay, that's there couple other small pieces. There's not a lot of difference in retail, but when it comes to dining, oh, let me tell you, what you're missing from 98 that's no longer there. Fountain View Espresso and Bakery, that may have been the best thing, but back then it wasn't even a Starbucks yet. It was just an Espresso and Bakery. Ice Station Cool, this is the Ice Station Cool where you walk past the 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 neanderthal frozen in ice and in fact it actually spilled out fresh ice and you could actually pick up some ice and then you go into the um into the what is now club cool kind of concept the free soda thing uh it was really weird and and out of place for the center of epcot at that time very weird pure and simple was a nice little um, good, good refreshments. It was part of Wonders of Life. Electric Umbrella, I miss you not. Not in any way. Worst menu, perhaps in all of Walt Disney World. Pasta Piazza Ristorante, most people don't even remember this, it was back behind Fountain View Espresso and Bakery. And nothing, nothing. In fact, by then, I think it was even closing by four o'clock in the afternoon because nobody... Uh, Restaurant Marrakesh is currently closed. It's not permanently closed. It still exists there. It's been used as a break area with, um, um, at, at times, but, um, but it is currently closed. And then Liberty Inn, which may have been second to Electric Umbrella and probably did not have a menu that was really anything different. When you think about the Regal Eagle Smokehouse compared to Liberty Inn, oh, so much better. When you think of the Connections Cafe and Eatery, to include that Starbucks, so much better. And then you add 
a whole ton of other places. Space 220. Not the best menu, but very cool dining experience location. World Showplace, which is that whole area that um, is used for events. Le Creperie, the Creperie, I'm sorry, de Paris. Um, Artisans de Glaces, remember that used to be the original bakery shop. And then they made a bigger bakery shop in the back and made that into a um, ice cream, and not an ice cream, not sorbets and, um, you know, that kind of thing. Spice Table has been added. Takumi Te has been added. The Gelateria Toscana has been added. The Tutu Gusto Wine Cellar has been added. The Via Napoli a Pizzeria. Remember, that wasn't there back then. That's been added. Caramel Cucci, I just mentioned. La Cava de Turquia. Chosa de Margarita. And even La Hacienda de San Angel. I'm talking about a major addition of of over a dozen restaurants that um, I can't imagine in Epcot without these restaurants there. This is These are big, um, important dining experiences in Epcot. One, uh, the festivals have evolved over the years. The International Food and Wine Festival and the International Flower and Garden Festival were there uh, back in 98. It has evolved and become a little better, but I hadn't really emphasized that. So has the holiday one, which became International Festival of the Holidays or whatever. The one thing that has added on last seven, eight years is Epcot International Festival of the Arts in January and February. That too is an addition. Those booths back in 98, they did do the booths, but they actually came and went. I would appreciate they leave. But, um, but they are permanent, pretty much there as ki permanent kiosks throughout World um, Showcase. And some other things, uh, I mentioned the Fountain of Nations and the Spaceship Earth, Points of Light, the Disney Fab 50, Character Collection, a, a couple of the American Heritage Gallery has been added, Play Disney activities, uh, virtual activities that you could do throughout the park. Um, and probably more dedicated character experiences. They'd already been doing Disney characters back then, but, um, but I think they've done a better job of characters and, and giving, like, like where you go to see Anna and Elsa for Frozen, for instance, or the Wishing Well with Snow White. It's a little bit more of a dedicated set of spaces to go see these characters. So I kind of, I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, so in short, when is the best time of Epcot? I have to say that I kind of like the Epcot of today. I miss Horizons. I miss uh, Wonders of Life. I, I miss the Fountain of Nations. Um, I really wish we had a better journey to imagination, but even in December of 98, there wasn't even a journey to imagination. It was under the knife and and would be terrible for the next couple of years until it was revisited and, and had figment added to it. When you look on the other side with the World Celebration Gardens in the center with the addition of Soarin', Journey of Water inspired by Moana, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, Mission Space, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, Frozen Ever After, Luminous, Spaceship Earth, Points of Light. 
I just got to say, I think I kind of... Oh, I should have mentioned this another thing. I think the Skyliner is a big thing. It's not an Epcot thing, but it it makes the Epcot... It complements the Epcot experience so much. And again, it wasn't around in 1998. Now, if we were to go to the other parks, and I'll probably do this in the months to come, is Animal Kingdom a better park today than yesterday? Hmm, is Magic Kingdom a better park today than sometime in the previous past? Hmm, um, I may wait until Tiana's Bayou Adventure to make that comparison. I would, would Disney's Hollywood Studios be better than the Disney MGM Studios of the past? That's a tricky one. And honestly, one that that one could make some cases for both the present and the past. But in terms of Epcot, I'm quite I'm quite convinced in my mind that the Epcot of today is better than ever before. And I highly recommend it to you if you have a chance to visit Epcot. Well, that concludes our uh, Disney Insights podcast. Remember, this is sponsored by Performance Journeys, which provides keynotes and consulting and support through workshops, seminars, online tools to help your organization improve leadership and customer service and employee engagement and team building and so forth. We have proven solutions that work in the trench. Don't just have people come and talk to you who think they've seen what good customer services at Disney is and kind of talks about that. No, you need to have somebody who comes and tells you how to implement those ideas into your organization. That's what we offer. Plus, some wonderful books, are including our A Century of Powerful Disney Insights, Volume 1. Check it out. Uh, it is a great tribute to the first 50 of the Walt Disney Company's 100 years. So check that out. And again, we thank you for joining us. Thank you for those who are new. I've noticed a lot of new um, listeners. Please share with others if you would. And, um, and keep, uh, keep joining us. We'd love to hear from you and, and, to, and to have you join us. And again, in the words of Sinbad, storybook voyage at Disney Tokyo Sea, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.